Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Hello again and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on whatever platform you're listening on and wherever you're listening at. I, I truly do appreciate it. Now, for today's topic, it's one as coaches we have to answer all the time. It has to be a part of our coaching and game planning philosophy. We have to have one ready. It's half-court defense. Now, I know there are teams who love to press. They love to get out and transition a lot and, and create opportunities that way, but there's always going to be times when you're gonna to have to settle into your half-court defense and you're gonna to have to get stops that way. No matter what type of defense, what type of style you want to implement, half-court defense is essential to have implemented. So, to help bring insight into implementing a, a ha- <clears throat> excuse me, to help bring insight into implementing an effective half-court defense, I'm excited to have with me Coach Anthony Oshevsky of McClancy High School. Coach, how are you today? Hi, how's it going, Coach? How's everything? I am hanging in there. Not, not bad. Excited to, excited to get into this. So let's go ahead and get started, Coach, with your uh, basketball journey, your, your coaching journey. Where is the game taking you and where are you at right now? Well, um, you know, started as a, as a young kid playing CYO ball in, in my neighborhood back in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Um, born and raised. I haven't left. I'm still in the neighborhood. Um, my father ran the CYO program, so I started coaching at an early age. Um, I was in high school. I was coaching younger kids. I was lucky enough. I went to. I actually went to McClancy. I played there for four years. Um, after after high school, being five seven, one hundred thirty five pounds, I had done pretty well academically. So I wound up going to college for free for academics, but I didn't play basketball in college. Economics and as a person, I knew I couldn't go away. I you know I hung out with a lot of older kids. You know, though I did well in school. I didn't always make the best choices, so staying home was key. And obviously, it was a, it was a full ride. So, you know, again, five seven hundred thirty five pounds. <laughs> I was going to be a coach. You know, basketball was kind of kind of at its point. Um, and then I, I came back, and as soon as uh, second year of college, I was the assistant JV coach back at McClancy. Fast forward, I thought I was I thought I was going to be working on Wall Street. That was going to be like my dad working a bank. My mom's a teacher. My sister's a teacher. I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm going to be like my dad. I couldn't sit behind a desk. It wasn't for me. So I got hired to teach at the school, was the head JV coach, did that for six years, and now I'm the boys' varsity basketball coach at McClancy. And I just, did, I just completed my sixth year. So you are, a, you are a hometown product then. You are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> man, never, left the, never left the building. I'm the assistant principal of the school. Actually, I just finished my sixth year as the assistant principal, and beginning July 1 just passed. I'm now the director of admissions. Awesome. So, so, so I'm curious, as somebody who's just grown up in the area and grown up with basketball in the area, how's, how's the game kind of changed within, within your neighborhood and with, within McClancy? I know the game's changed so much nationally, but have you noticed things kind of different now than, than how they used I will to be? Say, I will say, when I was in school, the New York City Catholic League was arguably the best league in the country. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, every night, we're, I'm going to McDonald's All-Americans, big-time divisional prospects, and, and that's what it was. Um, People have said New York has fallen off in, in certain aspects of, of heavy deal recruiting, but there's also been an advent in, in different things in the sense where 
tra uh, travel programs have blown up. When I was a kid, you played for Riverside, Gauchos, and Abyssinian. And then nowadays, you spin around in a circle, and there's an AAU travel program on every corner, and every neighborhood has like three or four of them. So it, it's different. Um, also, the rise of prep schools, um, th those, th you know, kids for opportunities, you know, and, and things change. Like my neighborhood was a working class, family-oriented neighborhood. It's no, it's been built up so much high rises and big, it's a very expensive neighborhood to live. You don't have the kids in my neighborhood like we used to. And, and, and all gentrification and things like that are a major aspect of that. But you know, it, it's actually interesting to see how my neighborhood has changed. But from the basketball landscape, the park I played in is empty. The, the kids aren't, they're not showing up five on five. Let's go. It, it, it's not, that's not going on. Yeah. Um, another thing about the Catholic league was, if you were on a, if you were on the varsity basketball program in the Catholic League, you were a division at least uh, you were a division three player, because it, it was so highly competitive. The respect was there. We have division three programs in in New York City now. They're getting kids from Ohio. They're getting kids from you know Midwest. It's different because the allure is, I can come from Ohio. Let's say I live in Columbus, I can now go to college at the New York City experience. Whereas with film internet, the exchange of things, you could recruit anybody from anywhere. Mm -hmm. As compared to it used to be, all right, New York City kids, you filled up those Division three, Division two schools within the, the tri-state area, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. New Jersey, Connecticut, New York, like that's where you went. Now, I mean, we got Division three programs that I've sent kids to. Again, kids from Serbia, and it's a, <laughs> it's a diff, like, where'd you get a Division three kid from Serbia? Like, it's a different, it's just a different, a different game. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that it's 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 crazy how much everything's blown up with how connected everybody is, internet, social media, people being able to recruit from everywhere and pull players from everywhere. But it you're not the only one I, I think who's mentioned that about how there really is, unfortunately, kind of a lack of players who just sort of like play like pickup ball at the park and mm -hmm. things like that. And and I think some of that's we're missing some of that with with all the AAU and all, and all of the uh, the the organization. I don't know. There's st there's still something to be said for just going to the park and just playing a bit <laughs> it's it's the, the the value of winning if you you lose you're waiting 20 minutes to a half hour because you don't have next like it, it, it's different you know and that's how like when you coach like we do things and, and we'll get into it but when i coach when we're doing open gyms and or we're running five on fives preseason work or you no know, you have to value the possession you got to understand that when i was a kid obviously being a small guy we're playing with the older guys in the park i knew point game i'm not taking it i better not take a bad shot i'm never getting mm. picked again yeah. So they, yeah, yeah, they, yeah they're not you yeah you're not getting picked the older guys they're cutting you out so you had to know all right who needs the ball understanding who's made a few shots in a row i gotta get that guy the ball because i want to mm. stay on for the next mm. hour mm -hmm. i don't want to sit and watch yeah. there, there's you know it's different value now yeah you know, some kids don't get it yeah, no, that, that, that speaks true to me. I, I would go, I remember just playing pickup or going at even like a rec center and just playing and be playing with people I don't know. And like I said, that they don't know me. So if I take a bad shot, like, well, that's it. <laughs> not getting the ball anymore. So like, you, you gotta, and like I said, I, I'm not, I'm not wanting to sit around for half an hour. Like I'm, I'm ready to win. And, uh, and I, I, if it isn't me playing and isn't me making all the shots and whatever, I just want to keep playing. So <laughs> got to find your way somewhere. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Love, I love that mentality. I still love those players who you still go out and play at the park and things like that so more power to them all right coach let's let's uh before we get into 
our topic here. Something that you mentioned to me was that you try to get away from uh, micromanaging and that's something you tried mm -hmm. not to do. And, and you also mentioned that that's something that you often see in inexperienced coaches. So how have you and your experience been able to kind of get away from that? And what do you see as like the negative effects from those coaches who, who do too much uh, in terms of micromanaging? So I could piggyback on what we talked about playing pickup ball. Mm -hmm. I, as a young coach, was they were move, people, you know, people moving away from pickup ball and everything was more, we'll use the term organized, even though sometimes you watch and it's not <laughs> organized. But, but it was more organized where a coach told you what to do and then you're kind of in a position, like you're the point guard. And so as I saw our kids, I don't want to say they were not as well coached when they were younger, but the guys who coached me and, and the guys in the neighborhood, maybe they didn't have families, they just they love to coach as we've transcended certain things where now and i get it too because I, I i try not to i got i got three daughters i just had a daughter uh, last thursday Congrats, yeah. uh, my third daughter so emma's just born i have madeline's five and juliana's eight juliana i wasn't pushing her to play basketball first of all seven eight years old you can't reach it's not great so <laughs> i wanted her to i wanted her to like it first so a friend of mine she Played at Christy King High School here, national powerhouse, Division One player at George Washington and Manhattan College. Her daughter's the same age, so I was like, "Cool, she'll coach, and I'll just drop my daughter off. I want to be the dad in, in the fifth. Mm -hmm. but they didn't let me do that. Now I got to coach. So, <laughs> no, I don't want to coach eight-year-old <laughs> girls because I wanted to watch. I coach sixteen-year-old boys that don't listen at the same time. So, like, you know, but they. You know, you get involved and people wanted to help. They wanted to coach. They tortured the game. Now when it's like, like I'm a high school coach, so some people think I know something. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. <laughs> but they'll respect my opinion as compared to, you know, that guy's dad's coaching. And maybe he doesn't know bad. Well, you know, fine, whatever. But the kids weren't as prepared, I'll say. So I felt that I had to be, like, totally ingrained in the, how this foot has to point that way when you're making a cut and you know everything i got to the nitty-gritty like and then i felt that my kids were frozen yeah that they were thinking instead of playing and i remember as a player that you know again i wasn't that good so when i was making mistakes coach was yanking me because i didn't have the wiggle room and i, I you know and i get it like, listen, that kid's a division two starting point guard he's been playing varsity for three years he can make a couple mistakes because coach knows the plus and minus is fine. <laughs> I go in, I don't make a couple of threes. I make a couple of turnovers and sit my butt down because what else did you bring to the table, kid? So I understood that as a player, but I was looking over my shoulder. And I, I felt like as I started on early on, I was doing that. And I was micromanaging. And the kids, I don't want to say they weren't having fun, but it was they were not playing basketball. Yeah. So what we try to do now is, like you, you, you'll see, each team is different. You got a big guy, you can throw a ball post. You got no big guys, you're spreading them out. I, I think it's important to have a system, but also understand your personnel has to dictate what you can do. If I got a team that can't dribble, you can't run a dribble drive offense into the best man. If I have guys that are all four, five foot eight, we're probably not throwing the ball in the post. We're going to spread them out and make big guys chase us. Or maybe we'll play a little zone defense, things like that. You, you try to adapt to your personnel instead of micromanaging every moment. So this year we ran a more fluid dribble drive offense in regards to handoffs and a lot of ball screens, which 
I early on hated ball screens. I wanted everything off the ball, kids catching the ball in motion and making a quick decision. This year we ran basically every set originated or ended with a handoff ball screen mm -hmm. into the next progression. Mm -hmm. So I, I, some of those things that, 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 so that I, I started to learn a little bit. Yeah. Um, some things I witness teams we play against. So we all have like our league mandates posting. Now we use huddle. We used to use crossover. Now we use huddle. You're mandated to post all of your home games on huddle and share it. So it's a league database and everyone can see it and analyze and scout. So you have to exchange your games. Um, so I, watching film, you see what other teams do. I, some guys I coach against, they're excellent coaches, but I could see that they stop the first progression of your play. Mm -hmm. And then you get to your second, if you're prepared enough, you get to your second, third progression and their kids are frozen. They don't know what to do. Those types of things. Right. Like I, I, I take luxury. I, I love the fact where if you're going to beat me, you got to beat me on your second or third progression mm -hmm. because I'm going to stop that first option. How are your kids going to react? Yeah. And that's what we started to do more with our kids where I'm like, no, what, what do you do? Where are we attacking? That happened. What's the next step? You know, and those types of things. I think that's important. Well, yeah, it, it makes, it makes a lot of sense in terms of the, the idea of, of letting kids kind of have the ability to make mistakes. I remember seeing something about how there, there's uh, some coach said it to me once. He's like, when I, when I go watch a game and I see the players are always looking at the coach or at the sideline, he's like, that, that's when I know something's, something's not good because that they're worried about making a mistake and they don't have any freedom and they can't make, you know, any mistakes. And like you said, they're worried about where their foot's going or how they're setting this screen up particularly perfectly. And so, I think it probably allows your players a little bit more like freedom to make mistakes because you know that they're not necessarily going to get pulled if they make one and that there's a little bit more fluidity to it because one of the terms I've used and I think you would kind of agree is like things can get kind of robotic, right? And things can kind mm -hmm. of get like stilted and then it's like you're just going through the motions and you're kind of just doing plays, but you're not really knowing maybe some in some cases why you're doing those plays. And then in your case, it sounds like, well, you can stop that action because you know that they're just doing these like robotic type right. actions. Right. And that's, that's, I, I constantly, yeah, I'm, one of the things I always say, stop, we're not robots. Let's go, let's <laughs> play. And I, yeah. I always, I always actually say we're not robots because you know, the kid overplays you, you got to cut back door. Why are we throwing that pass? He's not open. Those types of things. And again, I'm tough to play for. You watch my games. I'm nuts. I'm a yeller. I'm a screamer. I'm <laughs> into it. I'm, I'm pressing kids on the side. Like, a, like I'm that guy. Yeah. But, I've, you know, there are kids that still look over and make mistakes. They look over and, you know, there's certain things. I always tell the kids, you don't get yanked for playing hard. You don't get yanked for trying to do the right thing. You get yanked mm -hmm. for not hustling and you get yanked for not paying attention. Mm -hmm. You know, those types of things. But if you're, you know, you make a mistake because you tried super hard, you got to live with those. You have to live with those. Mm -hmm. You know, you make a mistake, two minutes to go, up 12, and you throw the ball through the stage on a fast break for no reason. Now, oh, come here, we have to have a conversation. Those <laughs> types of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I know, absolutely. I, I, I try to be the same way, and I, it's hard sometimes in, in, in the heat of the moment, I'm sure, but you just giving players a little bit more freedom and, and just at least letting them kind of figure some things out on their own and hopefully, fingers crossed, that they <laughs> make the right decision. But uh, it's all part of the growing process and all part of the learning process for sure. So Let's kind of get into uh, into half court defense. Like I said, I know so many teams there they, they they love pressing. I like pressing, but eventually, at some point, you're going to have to settle into your half court defense and, and get stops that way. So, 
what are your uh, what are your principles when it comes when it comes to a half court defense? Uh, I know everyone's going to wonder zone or man. If you have a preference, mm-hmm. is there a go to? Basically, what are your foundations? What are your principles? What do you have as your important aspects of a <clears throat> half court defense? Well, a lot of things like you mentioned. If you're a good team, when you get into playoffs or whatnot, you're going to be playing other good teams, yep. and at some point you're going to have to knuckle down and get stops. You want to press the crap out of people, and that's, a, that's good, but the lesser talented teams, you're going to probably overwhelm them. But at the end of the day, you know, playoffs, you played everybody twice. It's the third time you're seeing them. They, they've practiced the press break for yeah. a week and a half. So my whole thing is if you can, if you're playing man-to-man, if you can make it look like a zone with your extreme help side, I think, like, when I was coaching JV, one of, the, one of the defenses we would always play, it was like a, it was a 1-2-2 two, two zone defense. But when the ball came over, everyone was pretty much matched up. And then ball goes wing, ball goes corner. We would trap baseline guy, wing guy, and the top guy would take away strong side wing. Mm-hmm. So JV guys, if they can take a pass from the deep corner and throw a skip to the opposite wing under pressure – they're, they were pretty decent because yeah. they're little they're, – they're like that's a hard play. That is a hard play. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in some of the gyms we play in, in New York City, in our league, there's some nice regulation floors, big gym seats are over there. And then, then you're playing in a shoebox. It's only <laughs> 72 feet long and there's yeah. no sideline. So there's these different things that, you know, and I would coach, oh, we're playing this school. I'm co- I, would, I had things for those schools because they were highly competitive. But when you get to the varsity level – I can't run. I don't run that one as often. I run that one maybe out of baseline, out of bounds on the first catch, something like that. Because a lot, you know, we all run, pass it in, swing to the top. Then the inbounder either goes opposite corner, or comes same corner, shoots a three. Everyone does a play. Yeah, we yeah, all steal yeah. the same play. We all do right, the same right, stuff. Right. So like you, you try to combat them. Where do you trap? You, I pick and choose that more on the VAR stuff. But for the most part, our man to man is again a lot of it's personnel dictated. We, we do try to switch it up in regards to one pass denials where if the kid's going to, if, if your opponent's going to catch the ball, the guy you're going to catch it, we try, he's got to catch it outside the three point line or at least going away from the basket mm-hmm. where, where his, his, his momentum's going away and then you're on your own. On the back side, you know, you got to be bad. We, we use the term basket line. Um, growing up, um, coach, coach Lemko, he was the freshman coach at, uh, at Christ King High School, multiple city championships. He, he helped that program tremendously. I used to, he was from my neighborhood and he would take us to camp um, a lot of times, uh, St. Bonaventure and things like mm-hmm. that. He, if you watch the Christ King Vosh game, he would just sit there yell, basket line, bat, the whole game. So now my dad, who's one of my assistants, he's yelling basket line the whole game. And that's the term we use. And you got to get on that side. You got to make the court look crowded. It's high school basketball. If you have to make kids make as many passes as possible, so that kid beats his man, dribble drives, and he's got a kick, I'd much rather that kid kick than get a a shot at the goal. Kick it. They'll throw the ball out of bounds. Sometimes your best defense is you just be in there. They'll make a mistake. Mm -hmm. You know, those types of things. But our our emphasis is always basket line. Um, I've changed. Um, We used to always – force away from the basket on the wings to now, and then on the corners, never give up the baseline. That was what we would do. Mm-hmm. Because 
what you see now is uh, you probably, I mean, we do it too, is that dribble drive baseline and you're throwing opposite corner yeah. to that yeah, yeah, shooter. Yeah, yeah. So you yep. come help and then that rotation's tough. It, it can be tough. So if it, I think we kind of vary, like, I don't, I haven't had a shot blocker in a really long time. Mm-hmm. So guys are going to the basket. I was like, we got to take charges. We got to, you know, those types of things. Yeah. So we're coming out more square to the corner. Okay. And if the guy wants to go baseline, it's a the help. Then that's you're gonna chase and trap the help yep. side guy to come, and then the rotation's heavy. Yep. Other times we had come out. You take away the baseline, and you're forcing them away from the basket. You know that way. Right. Right. So right. We, we've done different types of things. I, I like the one pass away denial on the wings and the corners. Um, mm-hmm. We never. And one thing we don't help ball side. So if a dribble drive guy. So if the guy catches the ball on the right wing yep. and he, he's dribbling baseline side to the rim, our corner defender, if he's going to remain a corner, he stays at home. Okay. We force – he doesn't yeah, – he, yeah. he could stick his hand in, but we don't want that easy kick. Right, We right, don't want yep. a front kick. If he's going to make a pass, he's got to go out and on the opposite. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people have that guy slide over. But I don't want to – I don't want him – like what we try to get our guys offensively is – when somebody's driving, you gotta get in fr- you gotta be in front of him. Because you know how many times we always tell people you gotta rotate to the top, right? We rotate the top for defense. But how many times does that guy drive from like the top of the key, right of the top of the key, left top of the key, and that wing guy starts rolling to the top and we throw that ball to the bench or those types <laughs> of things. They said if you're gonna go, you yeah. gotta you want front kicks. Front kicks, or he's gotta stop and reverse pivot and those types of things. Right. So that's what we try to do defensively too. Mm-hmm. You know, is make sure that anybody coming into the paint, there's a two or three guys come, kick, and then we're sprinting, running guys off the three. So do you do you find in in doing that within like the half court defense? If you're running, if you're if you're doing man, are you doing a lot of of reteaching on on even how to play defense? Because I know I've said this a couple times and talked to people a couple times about the uh, (laughs) reputation, especially over in New York, about like defense and defense isn't really something that that all over the place. But New York, I hear it specifically, it isn't really, there's not a lot of pride taken in it. So when when you got players coming in, are, are you like, getting them to take pride in their defense and, and, and are you reteaching all these principles or are you having them come in already with that like skill set already developed? What, what we do from, from our freshman level on up, um, I have a new freshman coach. Um, he's been with me for a couple of years. Uh, the freshman coach that used to work, he actually coached me. Um, he, was a, he was very adamant on man-to-man defense and, and we, we, we have a nice system now how we build the program up where we're doing freshman JV varsity Yep. For the most part, is the same or similar prep, you know, principles. Mm-hmm. Um, we teach a ton of defense. Um, actually, for the most part, this year's team, they were gifted offensively. They didn't like to take charges, which is a bugaboo. Like, I, I don't understand how you, you can't jump and you're this big, you take a charge. But that's a whole other <laughs> conversation. But, like, they didn't, but they were quick, scrappy, and they, could, they get their hands on the ball, picking it loose. So we were able to play good man-to-man, but we, I, we teach it right from the back, how to maneuver screens. This year was the first year we, we switched all screens, all handoffs and all mm-hmm. ball screens. We switched this year. In the past, I didn't allow them to switch ball screens. I wanted, I wanted the guy to fight through the screen and, and, and be strong with that. Yeah. But we were able – because it's usually big on little. Mm-hmm. Right, the screens in 90% is a bigger yeah, guy, a mismatch. little guy. 
Yeah. And then you got it. But with our athleticism on our first five, you know, it didn't really matter. We were able to switch out, and they were good help defenders. So if that guy was getting beat, he was kicking it to the big guy 12 feet from the basket. I'll live with that, you know, those mm -hmm. types of things. Um, but, yeah, that, that's something different. But we, we get going right away. It's all about stance and, and getting through, teaching them the little tricks on how to maneuver and those types of things. Mm -hmm. We trap, you know, certain teams, we trap every ball screen. Every ball screen that team runs, we trap it. Um, every, t every time that team does a dribble handoff, we jump the handoff and we send the help side guy. Like, you know, personnel-wise, you know, you watch a little film, that team's not a strong ball handling, so this is what we're going to do. Or, or that team has two guys and the other three guys we really want to shoot. Okay, make them give it to that guy and right. hopefully he misses. Those types of things. But, um, you know, New York, like we have a shot clock. We've had a shot clock. Let's see. Uh, I graduated in 01. We didn't have a shot clock then. I want to say as early as 2003, 2004, I think we had a shot clock in high school basketball. Mm. Um, and it's great. Um, I, I don't know. We haven't had a – I can't even tell you how many shot clock violations we, we've had offensively. Which my kids, they take some terrible shot. But, 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 uh, but defensively, I mean, you know, we, we, we've done a good job in, in making long possessions and, and keeping guys out. Um, yeah. you, know, you know, some of the schools, like, again, New York – it matters what the you know the reputation is. Um, it used to be no blood, no foul. You're getting whooped. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, that. like those, like it was super physical. Um, basketball is not as physical anymore. The, uh -huh. You know, everything's a flagrant. You know, those <laughs> type of things, you know, but um, but yeah, I mean, so you know, I'm surprised. Like you go, know, you you look at scores, box scores from across the country, and obviously states without shot clocks. You get up by 15, you can hold the ball for an hour, and then and then the yep. score is 42-28. And then, uh, you know, that's not – that sucks. That's not basketball. But if your team – if that's – you're teaching the kids how to figure out a way to win. Yeah. You know, every, every team's different. You can't you can't knock it. If that's how you're going to win, that's how you're going to win. You know, mm -hmm. those types of things. Right. But, yeah, so, no, defense is paramount. So it sounds like, uh, obviously, you mentioned about with your own personnel, how it changed your philosophy with, with, with screens and switching versus mm -hmm. – um, trying to fight through it. How much in terms of what you run in terms of adjustments to your man-to-man -man defense and you're in running what you do in the half court is dependent on what you see on film. Is it going to change the way that you close out on shooters? Is it going to weigh the, is it going to change the way that you do those sort of things? Are you giving your information, that information to your guys? Are you just kind of mm -hmm. saying it as you're coaching? Like how does that process work? Our kids, our kids have access to the film just as much as I do. Mm -hmm. um, each kid has an account. So, Whenever I get my hands on the game, it's shared to their account, and I say, hey, check out this. Um, sometimes, though, players, I think the term is paralysis by analysis, Yep. where they're thinking too much about, oh, that's the kid that shoots that. And then they're late, and the kid is a three in their face. So, so you have – so I give them certain things with personnel. Now – there's things that, like anybody else, there's things, this is what we do. And then as the season progresses, sometimes what you do doesn't work. So, and you're playing that team for the second time, or you know you can expose it. Maybe it's for two minutes. You know, what I do, like when we scrimmage, we scrimmage, um, and, and we're broken down into double A, A, and B, you know, and I'll think. And it's not size of school. It's basically, it's like talent and things like that. So we're technically in the A, um, so we're in the middle tier of the Catholic League. 
when I scrimmage, I only scrimmage the double A schools. And, you know, we're playing the schools that are supposed to be better than us and those types of things. And early on, we just play man. I, I, you know, for the, our non-league games, we play man. I, if you lose, I don't want, I never, ever want to lose a game. I don't want to lose a race up the stairs. Like, it's getting the whole way. I don't, but if we're going down, we're going down with those games doing what we do. Mm-hmm. As you progress through the year, you know, certain things like, oh, this hasn't been really been working. Maybe, that, maybe I didn't teach this concept right. Because um, our practices are, are a ton of skill development. Right. Uh, okay. It's, it's mainly techniques. We, we, we work on closeouts every day. There's different drills because it gets a little monotonous. And I understand that. So we try to incorporate as many defensive drills that, that change over. So this week we – you know, the terms used, wherever you steal it from, you call it that. So the Michigan State drill, this is from Tom Izzo. That's a Michigan State drill. Let's do that. Uh, and, we, and we do those types of drills. And you do, you do it three times that week. The fourth day, you left that alone because you pick something else that had the same principles. Yeah. Um, and you, 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 you do that. Gym time. Gym time's uh, premium. We got one gym and five teams that need to practice. Right. So maybe you're only getting in a, because I also, I'm not a long practice guy. If we're going to have a long practice, that means we shot for half of it. Like okay. if I was able to get a three-hour slot, which would be magical in my school, <laughs> an hour and a half you're shooting. Because it doesn't matter what you, if you can't make a shot, you can't, you can't win. Yeah, Paul's so got to win. so if, uh-huh. if I get that time, we, we're, we're shooting for an hour and a half. If I don't have that time, it's skill development, defense, and shooting. And those types of I mean, you put your sets in. I'm trying to do what we've been doing more is more system and reactions as compared to sets and plays. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's something we're doing a little more of lately. Um, right. Again, it also, it's personnel. You know, these kids, I was blessed this year at a senior-laden team. Um, you know, went 16 and 8, third place. You know, lost the eventual city championship by one in the playoffs. Yeah. So those kids – experience an 11 and 14 season before losing six games by five points or less. So those kids came in hungry and prepared and ready and they kind of, and we could, we were able to hit the ground running with them. Right. Yeah. Next yeah, yeah. year's team, they'll be senior laden, but they didn't, a lot of them didn't get a lot of minutes. Mm. So the next, the debate's going to be how we, so am I going to have to do a little more teaching? Um, what's their skill set? Right. You know, those types of things. And we'll get them early. I mean, and they start opening things up and you're allowed to see people, you know, those types of things. Yeah. You know? Right. 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 So, so then kind of easily transitions into to that next question about this group that you have coming up who, who are, well, they're seniors, but they're not necessarily as experienced and have as much game time. So then does that, in your mind, does that lead to the possibility of playing more zone? I guess is my next follow-up question is when, where does zone fit in in, in your principles and, and when is it time to, to throw in the zone uh, for you? Well, one thing we try to do mm-hmm. um, is, is switch it up as much as possible. So obviously when, when people are comfortable, they start picking your part. So, you know, after timeouts, you change the defense. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe when we're pressing – we, we put on a press early in the first half just to see how they react. And then they spend half time preparing for that press. And then the second half, the press is the same but different. It looks the same, but now we're a little like intent. 
intensely picking you up full court as compared to containing you to make mm-hmm. you use time on the shot clock to rush you down here. Yep. Um, when we play zone, it's usually a matchup. Um, so there's a lot of man-to-man principles. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, we'll, we'll play like a 3-2 zone, but if the ball's in your area, you got him man-to-man, everyone yeah. else is in extreme help. Like, we, ma- we do that. So mm-hmm. hopefully early on in the shot clock, they, sit, they think it's man. They're moving. They're running their man sets, and nobody's open because we're sitting in the zone. Um, you know, and those type again, shot clock era. Any you take ten seconds off, they got to reset. Cool. Um, those types of things, but a lot of it is is trying to keep them off balance. You know. Yeah. 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 They score six points in a row, three baskets in a row. All right. Hey, like maybe we got to do something different. Like it, it. I think flow of the game is important. Right. You know? Right, right, so right. Personnel, foul trouble. I wound up, I wound up with these two guys out on the floor together. I have to play zone. They, they, they can't move their feet. Mm-hmm. So that dictates sometimes, you know, all, all those things. Mm-hmm. So then with, with that, because you mentioned it a couple of times, and in, uh, in Arizona, we don't have the shot clock. So uh, the, those scores that you, that you were talking about, yeah, you'll see those here. Those 48 to <laughs> 43 to 28 scores. Um, so does, does that – because uh, I've heard this before, so I'm, I'm curious about your, your philosophy. I've heard for, for teams who they like to press and then go right into their, their half-court defense. Uh, are you mentally thinking, okay, uh, our goal is if, if we do this press, we want them to get into their offense with X amount of seconds left on the shot clock. Does that, does that kind of factor into anything that you do, kind of going there, from your press to your half-court defense? Yes, there's something – sometimes – like this year we actually – we pressed a little bit and actually fell back to man-to-man sometimes, which I used to never do, mainly because you couldn't find your guy. Because you have, like we talked about, matchup problems. So yeah. the big guy's back in a press, but they broke it. Now he's gone in the point guard, and that was there. <laughs> we were more inclined to switch on all ball screens and, and handoffs. Mm-hmm. I didn't care. So we do, we do a 22 contain press, things where it takes some time. If they take eight seconds to get over – and we're still pressuring them, they're not, it's going to take them another five, six seconds to get into their set. Okay, now they only have 20 seconds to get a good shot. Mm-hmm. You know, we do those types of things. Um, we do, we try to incorporate a couple of running jumps in different aspects, but I haven't been a big proponent of that, mainly because I don't know how to properly teach it. Okay. Never played it, never was coached it. Um, I'm, I research it. I read books. I'm like, just how, and then because sometimes, you know, in the back of your mind, you don't want it like pressing in those settings, you're going to give up easy baskets because you've put yourself at a disadvantage. You put two guys here, another guy there, there's a lot of space there's on a the mismatch floor. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. you're going to give up. It's, and I, I have this problem. I've had this the whole, whole time. How many am I willing to give up before I say, I'm not pressing anymore? And, mm-hmm. and that's it, you know, like you talk about, like a 48 to 27 game. I'm not willing to give up six baskets because that's a lot. Yeah. You know, like that's 16% yeah. of the thing. Nah, I'm not really into that. But, you know, when you're playing, like I always, always try to, if we can get the team playing, if we can get them in the low 50s, I know we'll score 60, mm-hmm. at least this year. You know, like, like that's, you know, early on in my career, the team we went, I went to the city semifinals with, we were very good. We had a real good team. Uh, kid actually, best player on our team was the fifth leading scorer of Division Two last uh, two years ago mm-hmm. um, in the nation. He, he was he, he was phenomenal, but uh, it was first to fifty. 
I had the kid. He wound up being the fifth leading scorer in the country, Division Two. Mm-hmm. And when we played our games, I was praying to score fifty points because everyone zeroed on him. And but we could we we could lock down. We could we could play everyone. He blocking shots, and, but it was and we would turn around. All right, first to fifty, and we'd win. Mm-hmm. We'd win. We 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 like twenty one and four. It was insane. But every time we were first fifty, we won. Yeah, and we would win games fifty one forty nine. It didn't matter. But it was our that was I think first to fifty. This year's team, the goal was okay. I want to give up less than 50 because I know we'll score 60. I know we'll get 60. Right. So let's make sure, let's make sure we keep it in, you know, if we can keep them low 50s, we're golden. Yeah. You know, there was times, like first half, you come out, you shoot terribly. And the half the halftime speech was, hey, guys, we got 19 points. How are we getting to 50? Right. And they come off and boom. I'm like, how the hell did we get to 72? I don't even know. <laughs> like, they, they figured it out. They, you know, you know, you're pressing, you don't, you know. Yeah. different things yeah yeah no so the reoccurring message though is kind of the the mixing it up and understanding your personnel mm-hmm. understanding what what's going to work with this particular group of guys and in this particular group of situations and i think from kind of, kind of what i'm gathering from what you're saying is that to to be effective you do have to be flexible you do have to make sure that you have like some form of a press something a zone something of a man all these different things that you can throw in because you know you, you never know how things are going to change with whether it's your personnel whether it's a situation and that that you can't just get fixated on one mm-hmm. thing so well when you go like you i watched we had a lot of time quarantine right so in early on i was watching all the nabc videos and the coaches were talking and and you're on Twitter, and I follow you on Twitter. Like you start following things on Twitter, people. And a lot of the things I saw, especially with quarantine, was you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that was a common thing. I mean, maybe John Calipari, like whatever I was reading. And I th- that's important because when you're playing other teams, if you don't make them uncomfortable, so if you're changing your defense, you're pressing a little, you're changing up, going under screens. You know, going over screens. If you don't change certain things up, they get too comfortable, and it's a free flow for them. And yeah. we all, we all, we all thrive when things are going well, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> but when things start hitting the fan, hey, people tighten up, they make mistakes. You know, you see with your kids. You know, yep, I, yep, yep. How many times early on in my career, I call a timeout, and I'd waste the timeout yelling at the kids. Mm-hmm. Then the whistle blows, the horn goes off. I didn't coach. <laughs> didn't say anything. Yeah. I didn't coach. Yeah. And, and and all the young, stupid, I didn't coach. They go back out there. They still, I turn around. They're doing the same thing. <laughs> and then I got my father as a sister. He goes, well, you know, he would use maybe a little, I use colorful language. Maybe he was a little colorful language saying, what, what did you tell him to do? I'm like, I didn't tell him to do anything. I just told him to stop that. That's not coaching. That's just me yelling. I felt better. Oh, I yelled at you. But I didn't fix it. Yeah, so, <laughs> like he did. So now it's, I got to go, oh, okay, everything's going to be all right. We can't do that. We can't do this. You know, like, mm-hmm. can't waste the time out. And I, I did it hundreds of times, especially early in my career, where I would call a timeout to stop what the other team's doing. But then I didn't, I didn't coach. And yeah. I was like, that, 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 I got to do better. Like, that's stupid. And I think that's important as a co- young coach to a veteran coach, even veteran coaches. I'm a young guy. I've been coaching forever, though. But you get to a certain point where you have to keep learning and you have to realize what I'm doing is not great or, or I have to be better. You know, 
players win, coaches lose. Mm. That's just that's just the mentality. You if if you don't think that, you probably shouldn't be coaching. You know, like <laughs> I, I won games. Not because I'm a good coach. I won games because I had kids. Kids played. They 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 put the ball in the basket. They got some stops. They made some good plays. We've lost games because I've made bad decisions. <laughs> like <laughs> like that that that's so. I think that's important that I figured out that if you're gonna call a timeout, you use the timeout and you teach the kid. You know, because yeah. you have to make them comfortable. I learned that. It took me a long time. Right, right. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I can imagine being in a situation, you call this timeout, you, you get all your frustration out, and then you didn't teach them anything, and then they're just going to frustrate you again. <laughs> and then the cycle just, cycle of stress Then you start subbing. Too. Now it's yeah. subbing. He didn't pay attention. But, but I didn't tell him that. And then you realize, like, I didn't tell him. He didn't pay attention to what? Me yelling at him? I didn't say anything good. You know, yeah. like I didn't teach you. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Right, and 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 going back into the uh, kind of the variety about not letting teams in a groove, I can imagine. But with having a shot clock, that if you switch something up, just you switching something up is going to make that other team at least have to think. And if they have to think, that's going to take time off of that shot clock for them to just kind of adjust. Like, oh, okay, they they they're throwing something different. Like, okay, what do we do here? What do we do here? Next thing you know, like fifteen seconds have gone off the shot yeah. clock and. Yeah. You're 100 percent right. There's certain teams, I won't say their names. There's certain yeah. teams that I know that if we keep switching things up, and we'll use the term they're so robotic, that they'll back the ball back out and call something new, and that's gonna take time. Mm-hmm. There's other teams we play, it doesn't matter if I switch or not. They are so well coached that they just react, they play. They mm-hmm. they, they they react to what they're seeing. And they make the proper adjustments. And those are the, the high IQ kids that they do an excellent job. And there's coaches in our league. You have coaches in New York City who have major Division One players and renowned. And they're good. Yeah. But there's coaches in our league that are perpetual winners. And you look at their roster and you look at their – and you're like, how? Like, <laughs> how? Because they, they do it. They're the, they're the best coaches. You know, they're the best coaches in our league, and they, they do the most with the least, those types of things, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and one day I hope to get to that point where, yeah, yeah. where my kids are just doing it. I'm like, oh, that, that team's really good. That's a well-coached team. Like, well, thanks. <laughs> I don't really and it's them. I don't know what's going on. You know, those types of things, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it goes back to the micromanaging that you talked about, that if, if players are so micromanaged, they're going to be robotic and they're going to not be able to adjust right away. And again, if that shot clock and time is just so valuable that if you have players that can just react and just play, then they not, they can just see what's happening, make a quick adjustment, and then kind of just go from there. And I think that I think as coaches, that's kind of what we all want, but, uh, but also it does kind of require that relinquishing of control and relinquishing mm-hmm. it to them. And, and some of us, including myself, are, are, are not so good at it. And so it's a process, though, and, and, and we're learning. It's tough. It's, it's tough. It's tough because, that, like, you know, we get angry at the kids at some point. And you're like, you're, you're graduating. You're leaving. I'm staying. <laughs> no matter what, McClancy basketball is my name. Like, like, and then you say that, but it's like, yeah, you get to leave. I'm going to be here again. So this is what we're going to do. Those types of things. Yeah, yeah, but in yeah. regards to the shot clock, I'll tell you, maybe because we've been doing it for so long, it only factors in the game, I would say, late. I, mean, I don't want to say only factors. It's a major factor late in the game, late game execution. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. The flow of the game lately, you know, think about it. If you just watch, watch the NBA, how it went from throw the ball down to Patrick Ewing, everyone stand there, dribble, dribble, double team, kick, throw back in, post up. To Mike D'Antoni, get that ball up, boom, boom. So the nature of the game, people are more fast-paced, getting quick shots. You know, I'm trying to get – I try to get my guys to run as much as possible. I try to get them to understand that you got to start running off of makes. I still haven't gotten a team to really run off of makes. Hmm. It's like, oh, they're scoring. <sighs> no, no, it's over. Get the ball in. Let's go. And I just run it up. Maybe you get a cheap one. Or at the very least, I now have 32 seconds to run an offense. Right. You know, as compared right. to 22. Like – that's what we try to get them to, to, to play with a, a, a quicker pace. And then the shot clock's not even a factor because we're doing what we normally do. Well, you know, you, you, you brought up a great point that sometimes your best transition opportunities are after another team makes it and then they can't even get in their defense. And then you just inbound it and you're, yeah. you're just well, they're too busy it. celebrating. It's like yelling my guys, Woo, it's good. get back. It's over. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Layup because you high five it. No, yeah. get back. Ne- you next know, play mentality. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so when it comes to whatever it is you're doing, man, man or zone or trying to implement that defense, uh, I always hear a lot of chatter about uh, what needs to be done in practice in terms of like individual skill work. I know you said that that was something that you're big on versus, you know, different, different type of shell drills and different things like that. In, in terms of the, the drills that you're working, what, what, what sort of stuff is important to you in terms of individual skill work for defense and then maybe in a, in a greater picture for, for like team concepts for implementing uh, half-court defense? Yeah. A lot of things we do, like, you know, the traditional defensive slides. Yeah. But we do – everything's on angles. You know, growing up as a little kid, you get in your defensive stance, and they go left, and you slide in the line. And you slide yep. – no, if you slide straight, the guy ran past you. So, like, it's the understanding angles. Um, one thing we try to get the kids to understand is one of our drills is you sprint to half court, and then you're sliding – and you you get you get try you gotta get in front of the guy and turn him before he gets to the middle and you, and you turn the player, and, and explain to him how to cheat. I said basketball the court is even on both sides, so when you're sliding you got your chin up and your chest up and you're sliding, you know where you are. You don't have to look at the floor. Oh, there's top of the key. The rim is right there on the other side of the gym. So I'm looking at your waist, and then I could look past your ear. I know where you are on the floor and how I gotta turn you. So yeah. those types of things. That we, we do a lot of that. It's sprinting and sliding and sprinting. Mm-hmm. Um, understanding closeouts. So, like, when we teach the zone defense, I, I try to get them to understand that from this point, so when you – so the ball comes, it's what is it, sprint to the help. So you force a skip pass, you sprint to the help, you sprint to the basket line. You got – and then, like, how far do you go? I'm not sure. Where's my man? The idea and concept is that you know where you guys. So we do something again. I learned as a as a little cam- a camper uh, about pistols. So you, so you're pointing at the ball and you're pointing at your man. And mm-hmm. I teach when I, when we run camps and teach clinics. The most important thing I do is different defense is stance and pistols. And I try to explain to the kids that if you're pointing at the kid with your hand, when that player leaves and you sneak the peek, if he's not there, you know where you're going to put your nose. You're getting your chin yeah. to your finger. So when you Seeing ball man, and then you, you give that look. If you don't, if you're not pointed, where are you looking? Your head's your head's gonna be on a swivel as compared to cheating. And also your arms are wide, you're taking up space. It's all these things. So we got those kids getting into the defensive stance and pistols, and then how many steps to the closeout? If you are if it takes you more than a sprint and a hop 
or like two steps, you're too far. You're too far in help. You never get to that guy. So we do that like with our zone concepts. When we do our matchup zone, where to get to to get to that next level. Because it's easier with zone because for the most part, unless the guy cuts through the middle, he's standing on the wing. He's standing on the corner. He's either going to come to you or he's going to go to a spot that you're going to sprint to. Yep. So things like that. Um, not following the ball. Ball goes over your head. You're turning. You're putting your nose to his belly. And you're coming under because you're cheating. I don't, if I jump and I follow the ball, I may jump and foul the guy. I may jump right. and miss, and then I'm out of the play. Now I'm, yeah. I'm going this way, and they're coming. So that ball gets over your head. You're turning, and you're looking at the player, you know, kind of like a cornerback in football, right? They're, the wide receiver's eyes get open. He's getting the ball. You're going right at him. You're sticking your arm up. There's no pass interference. So you stick your arm up, and you get, yeah. right, into the, you get right into that guy. Right. And those types of – like those little techniques we work on a ton. Um, what, I, what we're trying to do more of, when I try to explain to to be strong in the chest, you know, as you slide your feet, you're allowed to bump somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you need to bump the guy, but you're strong in the chest so that when there's contact, he doesn't get the angle or he doesn't knock you back and knock you off balance. Right. Um, that's one of the things we do with ball screens in particular. Um, when you, when we're, especially if we're trapping the ball screen and we want you to fight through, is we used to teach, stick that arm in, and you make contact with the screener, and then you bump the, Ball handler, they're not calling the foul on you. Mm-hmm. That guy pushed me into him. They may call a legal screen. It could be the most legal screen possible. But I got skinny. I bounced off him, bounced off you. Worst case scenario, I bumped him now in front. Or he pushed me into him. What am I supposed to do? And, you know, those types of things. Right, you know, right, right. Be, the, be the first guy to hit someone, you may get away with it. You know, those types of things. All legal, of course. Not like, you know, crazy stuff. But, like, you know, those types of things we work on uh, a lot. Yeah, that, that, I think that's important. Um, we put them with a lot of guarding people, um, so we pair them up early and often with guys of similar skill set and, and speed, foot speed, so that when they're you know, so you do the zigzag, right? Guy guarding the ball, dribbles up, and mm-hmm. well, you got the big guy, six foot four, two hundred pounds, guarding the five foot eight water bug. <laughs> He's never gonna. He's not learning anything. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so we, we 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 do that. And we do that. There's certain drills that are that are daily drills, our closeout drills, ball handling, ball handling with defense. All those drills are, are are constant, and you know, and defensive slides, just technique, especially early on, like through tryouts and conditioning. We do a lot of technique, being able to sit, balance, going slow. The, there's the mirror drill where we're both a defensive stance and I got to slide and keep you in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I stole that. I think I, that was a Coach K videotape. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I, I, I know that one. Mirror drill. We do all those types of things. Like, yep. You know, the best drills are the ones you steal. Like, you just yep, yeah, yeah, out. absolutely. And it's something, put my name some on things, it. Yeah, and you, some, <laughs> some things that come up and you're like, uh, you make an adaptation. You're like, that's pretty good. I didn't even know what I was doing. That made sense. I us do it this way. You know, mm-hmm. all those types of things are important. I, I think that's really important in regards to defensive and technique because mm-hmm. once the ball goes up they need to just be able to react on what they they learn you know and yep. i think that's super important so uh, uh, when 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 it comes to the uh let's talk about the, the zigzag drill and, and and some of these drills like that is is there a competitive in, environment to those are those are competitive ones and the players kind of get amped up and kind of like just as excited to compete on defense as they would on offense right so one of the asks like early on 
So I once saw a clinic with Buzz Williams. This is when he was uh, he was still at Marquette, mm-hmm. um, and he's got a it's a it's a great zigzag drill. It's you, you got to keep turning the guy, yeah. and you got to beat him to half court and take a charge in the open floor, and it's a great drill. So we incorporate those things. A lot of it is again, you're pairing kids up. You're, you're fighting for minutes with so and so, or you know, like this guy's been dogging you. You know, you, you, you put some things out there, and, you know, and you push each other because when you get to the other end, he's got to guard you. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, things we teach. Um, so, so obviously you've gone to the guy. You got the one hand in a passing lane, and your opposite hand for balance is the we, I, it was called the dig hand. So if the guy wants to make a quick crossover or come back the other direction, your hand is there. Yeah, he's got to get it lower or whatever. Right, right, right. And I and what I teach, maybe because I got a big schnozzle on myself, is is I want my nose nose on the ball. If because if you get too far, if, if you pass my nose, that means my shoulders are way too far. And if my nose isn't at his ball hand with a hand, he's running past me. So I try to get them nose on the ball, because you got that hand in a passing lane and the dig hand, and, and that's what we're trying to do. So early on, obviously it's technique, but then it's it's pushing each other, yeah. you know, and then you, you make it competitive. Yeah. How many times you got to turn the guy? Um, we go, then you go end line, and you only within the key, the length of the floor, and mm-hmm. you can't get at, you can't if he gets past you, you know, and we're sprinting stuff like that. Right, right, right. And then, and then with it within that, you kind of mentioned about the about the dig hand and hand placement like that. Are are you worried, or do you have anything that you have to to teach to make sure that you're not getting uh, cheap reach and fouls versus like players who want to steal? Is there a certain like method that you have or mindset that you have in regards to? Not we, getting steals <laughs> or not getting fouls. When, when we when we do those defensive drills, you're not allowed to poke. Mm-hmm. So we, we get that. I said, no, I said, you're going to have the ability to poke. It's going to be there. Your, your natural ability is going to take it. But if you start poking and you guys cheap foul, 75 feet from the basket, or you start poking and the guy blows by you, I, I'm asking you, if you play good, hard enough defense and you're in front of him, he may kick the ball and give it to you anyway. I said, your job is to make him uncomfortable and or turn it over. Most turnovers, I tell them, I say, most turnovers are off of bad passes. So I want you to press them hard enough where you don't run by you and then you force a bad pass. Then it's your teammate's job because they're supposed to be in help anyway. They're supposed to pick up that loose ball. Yep. I said, yeah, yeah. It, it's rare for the most part that you take the ball out of a guy's hands. Right. Because if, and if you do do it, that guy probably doesn't play much. <laughs> Their coach takes him out. Like, or he's not the ball handler. You know, like we, we've, we've had to do that many times where the best matchup is – our biggest guy is the best matchup to bring the ball up. You know, we played a team. Um, legendary coach was a tiny more coach at Lincoln. He was coaching in Nazareth. Now, he, now he helps out at, at the Patrick School in Jersey. But Tiny's had, I mean, Sebastian Telfair, Lance, Lance Stevenson, Isaiah Wright. Like he's had these legendary guys. He we, he was coaching in Nazareth one year, and they, they pressed our pants off. Like, yeah. but we figured out, like, all right. Their big guy played center field. All right, you're bringing it up. Make that guy come. Because when he came, ran, and jumped, by the time he got to you and the other guy helped, now we gave the ball to our guard, and now we got now we got an all-out sprint. Did it work so well? Yeah, we broke the press. Did we score any other? No, the guy came block shots off the glass. But 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 it was it, we were getting the ball over half court finally. You know those types of things. You know we were getting good shots because my point guard was five foot four. Mm-hmm. And he was getting swallowed up. So I, now yeah. the big guy, you bring it up, make him guard you, and we'll figure it out just to get the ball into some flow. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I think that's important. Right, right, right. Um, 
And then with, in terms of uh, communication, how important is it? How much teaching have you had to do for, for communication, especially when doing like a zone? Has that been something that, that you've had to emphasize a lot? Because I, I hear all the time about quiet gyms and, and, and not enough communication on defense. Yeah. So, so how's, that, how's that been for you? Communication is, is obviously paramount with defense. Like if you're not talking, it's not going to work. Um, you get into that, they're high school kids. You, you get into that false hustle so you're in practice and the gym is loud and some of them some of them just yell ah, they, they just they don't like you're like all right yeah all right all right cool you know but then you get in the game and the church mice you're like wait a second so don't don't come into my gym screaming like a crazy person then we get in the game and, and you don't speak so and, and it's high school basketball you have introverted kids extroverted kids you know you got Kids that the lights come on, they just rise to the occasion. There's other kids, lights come on, that playoff game comes. Oh man, they're not they're not ready. So, you know, if this was college, like college basketball, yeah, scholarship. You want to talk? You don't play, they send you home. You won your scholarship. See you later. High school yeah. basketball, they, they're, they're little boys. They you know they're, they're trying uh -huh. to mature, trying to find their way through. They're emotional. So we try to get it loud and talking understanding concepts um you know those types of things yelling out about help side and ball screens and left right and, and those types of things and and we do all of our drills team defense wise and even when we do it, a couple individual it's about it's about you know, jump into the ball 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 and then i got your help man help 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 side and those types of things mm -hmm. you do it um your better teams definitely definitely communicate your better defensive teams are definitely communicate and, it, and it's like second nature. Um, yeah. But I will say this, you play in certain gyms, and so it doesn't matter what you're saying. They can't hear each other anyway. You know, <laughs> they don't hear me. They don't hear each other. Like, so you're, the gyms are loud. So if we can get to a point where, yes, a talkative gym is great, but if you get them understanding the concept of where they're supposed to be anyway, I didn't need you to tell me to get to the help side because it's second. I'm always at the help. The ball's on that wing. My guy's there. I'm here. You know, I, it's it's just natural reaction. You know, one thing we always talk about is what? Like the glove, right? Five fingers pulling. Well, this glove, this finger goes this way. We all start moving. Yep. So you try to get those concepts zone man. Like I said earlier, if you can make your man look like a zone and your zone look like a man, you're a genius. And then everyone, nobody knows what's going on. You know, and, and that's what we try to do. Yep. But we try, like, in practice, you're getting to talk. Right, you know? right, right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then like, uh, it, it is true, you get in some of these games and the gym is so loud and everything that you're just going to have to know where to be regardless of, of when where things are called out. And, and, and yeah, that, that is really true. And hopefully, you know, we can get our players to the point where they're just, they're just reacting and they know where to be just because they know that's where they have to be anyway. So very, yeah, very true. Uh, okay, so uh, I want to I talk really quickly about uh, using film because I know we touched on it before, but I know I wanted to get back to that. Um, so how much does film itself dictate what defense you're going to run or does it at all? Or is it just, okay, this is what they run. I can still do what I want to do anyway on defense. I'm just going to have to be aware of this. Cause I know you said film is big for you. Um, what we do is it, it, it matters. And I, I don't know how else to say, like <laughs> you know, some people, like, like we said, we got to be flexible. So it, I think it matters. It matters. Like we talked about personnel of your team, but also it matters also, how invested the kids are in watching film on their own. I need to do a better job of having our kids watch film together. Um, 
with like we don't do a ton of film sessions, which I think is negative for us because you know it's New York City, so how does it work? Kid gets on a bus or a train at six a.m., six six thirty to get to school. Limited, you know, practice two thirty. We're practicing until five six. We had study hall. They're taking a bus to train home. They're on public transportation. A lot of them, you know, seniors, some of them have cars, but a lot of these kids are getting, you know, they get home nine, 10 o'clock at night because of public transportation. How much, how hostage can I keep them? You know, like those types of things. The other aspect of it also is it's school. Do I want them sitting there watching game film or do I want them doing their homework? I, mm-hmm. you know, like I haven't really had academic issues with my team in, in a long time on, on the varsity level because go do your homework that's it yeah. watch the game film and they but i will say this they watch i mean they're sitting there as i tell you you're watching steve nash highlights and then you're watching russell westbrook dunking on people and you watch lebron how about you watch the team we're playing against and and that they have access to it yeah. they're more inclined to do it on their own and they're, and they're seeing those things um we try to do when we do do film we try to do it in small snippets where it's one thing i have to change is that Film comes is sometimes too negative. Where we're watching a film and like, see, you weren't there, and you went. At some point, you got to stop it and uh, you know make sure there's a positive. Hey, look at that! What a great play that guy did. Especially if you told that you just killed that kid three possessions in a row because he's in the wrong place on defense. He get he gets rebound. Hey, that was a great box out. You know, you gotta you gotta figure out how to get that. But it's also monotonous. The way I want to do it, it's intricate. And I'm like, kid, they don't want to do that. They're gonna sit there for two and a half hours. They don't want to do that either. And I get that. Because again, just sat in school for six hours and yeah. now you're sitting, now I'm in school again. It doesn't matter. And then, you know, when you get to the game, did you box the guy out? Did you not box the guy out? It, did, it didn't matter. You're supposed to box him out anyway because we practiced that. So those types of things. But what we do do is a lot of times it's just like my assistant coach, he's excellent with film, Randall Sanabri, does a phenomenal job. So he'll have his tablet out. And while I'm going over some concepts, he'll pull it up. We'll show the kids on the tablet what this what the team is doing, and then we'll we'll mirror it and we'll ju- we'll walk it through on how we would want to guard it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's I think that's better, and we're incorporating that more where because technology is so great is that we could pull up we could pull up clips, we show them, and then you're right on you're on the floor showing them what to do. Right. I I, I think that's amazing, and I'm so happy that I don't have to do that because <laughs> my sister could because. By the time I can queue up the clip, <laughs> practice over. So, like, like you know, but he, he and, I, and I'll say, listen, this is how I want to work it today. Let's pull up the three sets that they really run. And he'll be like, I'm, I'm ready. I'm prepared. You know, one thing I do a lot of now because of film is also empower your assistants a little more. So I'll be doing some things and I'm like, all right, Mr. you got 25 minutes. And he's like, all right, cool. I do have to do a better job of warning him because sometimes we – Show him five minutes before practice. I'm like, hey, man, I need 25 minutes of shooting out of you today. And he'll be like, oh, okay. And he gets it done. But yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, you know, he, he'd rather be prepared. And I understand that. <laughs> um, practice plans, you know, having a practice plan and then having the film portion of the practice plan where it's like, okay, here's the clip. This is what they do. You know, a lot of times it's what I try to focus on film is baseline out of bounds plays, how to stop it. Um, I still think my team is the worst baseline out of bounds defensive team in the country i've i 
I've never, I can't, I can't figure it. I can, people score. Every, they run a baseline out of bounds. Their best offense is to throw it off my foot and then run a baseline out of bounds. But no score. <laughs> it's just what things are. So, so we're we're trying to focus on stopping allowing people scoring on the what they want to do a baseline out of bounds plays. So yeah. we'll do that. Hey, this is what they do. This is how we want to guard it. Um, and and some sets because again, like I said earlier, you don't want to paralyze the kid. Right. Because the moment comes on. It's like my I had a big guy. Um, he's going to Hunter College next year, Division three school. Um, he plays a three-year varsity player. I yelled at him incessantly for three years. And it's mainly because I knew he can do it. But he would get a break. We're talking about a small kid, over 1,200 on his SAT, 90-something average. He was a small boy. Mm-hmm. But he could not remember. Like, certain ball, if we changed the ball screen defense for the game, he could never remember. And I'd be yelling and yelling. He was always in the wrong place. So we had to get him where it was more natural. So we figured out showing him the clip and showing how we're going to guard it, there was a 75% chance he'd do it right. <laughs> so yeah, 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 so yeah. those things I think are important. But, again, we don't want to show them too much of their film. And then mm-hmm. we forget what we do. You know, there's certain, like, again, playoff time, we, we, we do a little more of the film stuff. Yeah. Early on in the season, we're still trying to you know, you're still trying to figure out who you are. You know, right. injuries, kids are sick, flu goes through the team, uh, girlfriend, girlfriend broke up with the kid. He, oh man, you know, like you're sitting there, you're in the locker room, like, what the hell happened today? <laughs> like, you were fine yesterday. You know, like there's just all these emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to go to the next guy. Yeah, the next yep. guy, the next guy didn't pay attention to Brandon, <laughs> and then your defense went to went to crap. You know, like. But yeah. those those things, you know, those things are, are I think film's important. Um, yeah. Filming practice, I haven't done. Um, I think I think we're gonna start incorporating that more. Um, I have no problem. Like I, I'm a film junkie in the sense where I watch a ton of film myself, and then as I'm coaching. I can kind of like, you know, like, all right, they're coming off a timeout. Okay, listen, if this is what they're going to do, watch this kid. This is where they're trying to go, um, making adjustments on the fly because I've seen that team play so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, scouting report, your hand out. So-and-so really can't dribble the length of the floor with his left hand. Uh, this big guy always turns the ball, or t- turns over his right shoulder. Like, you tell those kids those things, and, and a lot of times they, they, they react. And it's – you know, here, read this, you know, and put it on their locker, put it in their locker. And then they have, like, just things to look out for. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah. Too much. Because I've given out scouting reports that were, they're, they're, they're like in uh, Tchaikovsky, you know? Like, <laughs> and then, like, the kids read it. I'm like, they're not going to remember any of this stuff. Like, it's stupid. So, yeah. you know, sometimes less is more. But, um, but I watch enough film where I think, if we're doing what we're doing and then you can steal possession here or there and, and you make the ad- adjustment, watch their substitution pattern. Some coaches are like kind of like NBA-ish with three and a half minute mark. This kid comes out, that guy goes in, that's how deep they are. I, I have a wacky flow. My big guys are usually on certain times because they get tired and they're going to cheap fouls. So you play three minutes, you sit down, the other big guy goes in and we, we do that. My point guards tend to never come out. Here's some water. Every free throw, give a glass of water. I don't, I don't take the point guard. Yeah. You better be in shape, kid, because you're never coming out. But, those, those, you know, but like, you know, like we, we do those types of things. So 
you know, and I know my assistant coach watches a ton of film. And then it comes, so then you, you, when you sub a kid out, you know, here's the board. And then the assistant just showing, listen, this is what they're doing. Remember? Oh, yeah. Don't trail that kid. Blast through, like, those types of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that as coaches, I think it's great that, that we have access to all this film and there's a lot that, that we can do with it. We can see all these things and everything like that, which is phenomenal. But kind of what you're getting at, which definitely makes sense, is that we have to figure out a way to process all of that and then give our kids like what's relevant to them and what they need to hear. And no, no kid's going to no kid's gonna survive a, a two-hour film session, especially if it's just pointing it's out all their, their mistakes. It's not their job. Yeah. Like college basketball players. Mm-hmm. Paid up. They're getting paid. Again, that's their job. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Professional basketball players. You know, you hear about the best ones. Oh, they watch all the film. And, you know, what else are you doing? You know, like you wake up and yeah. you sleep late and you have your kids, you have your wife and whatever you're doing. You play some ball, but this is what you do. When, I, when you're going to teach a class, I read the book beforehand, I prepare my lesson, I teach. Yep. That's what you're supposed to do. These kids, you know, it's New York City. There's a lot of distractions. There's entertainment. That's the other thing that we have to deal with, too, is that there's a lot of things you can do. You know, you know I wish sometimes I coached in a town where it was the gym was packed with 4,000 people. Because that was the highlight. It was Friday night, and that's the only thing going that's all on. You're doing. <laughs> you know, like I, I would love to experience that. It's like when we go away to a tournament or whatnot, and you, you walk in and you're playing the whole school. You're like this is bananas. It's like they're like this, like this every game. Like oh my god, we're yeah. playing on a Tuesday afternoon, and we got like 150 people. Like all right, this is cool. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's crazy. The, uh, the just just the difference that 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 exists. You know, I had a whole episode that that by the time this one comes out, will be up about coaching at like a, sco- a small school environment, coaching at a school of like 75 kids and 75 kids total in the school population, and and just just the the dynamics of how that is, and, and the way that you know, in some of these small areas and these small communities, basketball is is huge and sports are big, but then you're in New York City and it's just like you're dropping the ocean sometimes with some right. of the things that there are for kids sports. to do. They got nine professional teams. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong, some of these better schools, I mean, you, you're pumping like you know, big time prospects and things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's insane. You go to these some of our games. Our playoff, the playoff games of the, in the double A is is packed. Right, eight thousand, four thousand people in a, in a high school gym. You know, yeah. again, it's New York City. Most places have limited space. Yep. But like our our best leagues playoffs, quarterfinals through finals. Are all played on college campuses. Mm-hmm. It's all played at Fordham University, St. John's University, just because, the, just to have the, the sheer numbers. You got eight of the best teams in the city. Sometimes two of them are ranked in the top 25 of the country. You, you got, you know, but we don't get the press. Pack it in. Yeah. We don't get the press like it used to be. The newspaper, like the local newspapers. I'm talking about New York Daily News, New York Post. They don't follow high school basketball anymore. They don't, mm. they don't send reporters. When I was playing, you know, Stephen A. Smith was, was, was still, you know, like he was, he was still writing in, in the late 90s. Yeah. He was still writing for the Daily News. He, he's on TV every day. He was writing about, you know, Felipe Lopez, who, who was like five years old. He, you know, he was writing those articles. It's sick. Now yeah. he's, you know, he's the guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's different, you know. The kids don't get the press clippings. Everybody's a, a, a recruiting service and, you know, and on the internet and things like that, which is cool because that's how the kids, that's the only way they're going to get exposure. 
um, through those recruiting services because the, lo- the newspapers in the city aren't doing it, mm-hmm. you know? So it, right, it's, right. you know, it's just a different world. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's ever changing. That, that's, that's for sure. Okay. Uh, this is great. Uh, a lot of, a lot of really good information here and a lot of really good things, good things to think of. So to wrap up coach, I, I know you have plenty, <laughs> I know you have plenty of moments, <laughs> but what is a, what is a coaching moment of yours that you think others would be able to learn from? Like I said, no, no, your storytelling is great. I'm all, all for it. I'm just saying you probably got tons, <laughs> tons of moments that you think are teachable <laughs> moments. So, so what do you got? Um, well, in regards to, to like great moments and things like that, one thing that I've learned, which I might have touched on before, is mm-hmm. is is, embra- is is really embracing the moment. And what I mean by that is that every single game, like a broad Broadway, it's a performance, right? Every, every night, you know, you've got a matinee and an evening show. Every performance is different, and, and every single game is different, and we talked about flexibility. We talked about um, um, accountability, right? Holding the kids accountable. And it's hard to, you know, forget like what that kid did last game. And then the kid comes in and he got like, how did you do that again? And then it, but it's a different, it's a different game. And you try to avoid that. So a perfect example is I have a junior point guard. He's going to be a senior this year. Um, and he, you know, small guy, super quick, but he was adapting to the varsity level, and it's a big. It was a big jump from the JV to the varsity because of his size and his speed, finishing over bigger guys, those things. So, so as again, you know, and he had a rough year, and I was I was tough on him. I was tough on him most of the year because I, he has he showed in glimpses. So um, we're playing uh, playing St. Joseph by the Sea this year, and um, it's getting tight. So like I said, I was senior late, and so I took. I took the, we'll call him a two guard. And then have, he couldn't, you know, two guard. We'll say he was a two guard. Took him out of the game, get a quick blow because he, he was gone of the other team's best player. And I, I said, it's all right, it's getting late. Kid's a junior. He's been playing okay, but Cinderella was getting close to midnight. So it's like, I gotta get, I gotta, I gotta sub. So, so I, I put him at the table. Possession comes down. He hits a three in the corner. All right, nice, nice job. Nice job. You know, no whistle. Next position makes a crazy layup in traffic. Okay. Bone comes out. Next possession comes off a ball screen, hits a between the foul line, top of the key, jumper. All right. Other team calls time. I go, you're not going in. Sit down. <laughs> so I'm like, let's see how this goes. And the kid, the senior kid who, as, as a junior, I crushed him. I crushed him every day. Like, like come on, man, you're not getting it. He looked at me and was like, you're right, coach. He's rolling. Let's see how it goes. Now, this is a senior who, I'll use the word hated me as a junior because I, didn't, I wasn't playing because he was doing the things that this kid was doing. Yeah. And he looked and I said, listen, let's see how this goes. And, and the senior kid looked at me and said, coach, you're right. That was like two and a half minutes to go. This kid had a, a 10 point. So we left the junior on the floor. He had a 10 point fourth quarter and we won by six. And he. He was coming out. If he doesn't make that corner three, if he doesn't make that lane, the horn was – if he if he missed and there was a foul, one of his stupid teammates fouled, he wasn't going to have that moment. And he – we don't say single-handedly, but down the stretch, he took over the game, and it was awesome. There's a the film, like on Instagram, 
he makes is the like the third three he makes in the fourth quarter. I come running, I jump it up and down, and it all it was like used for a holiday thing. But like the emotion and the first kid to get crazy was the kid I was supposed to sub in. So when he makes that big that like the second or third three or whatever it was, and I jump up and I I wound up clicking my heels because I'm not the, the kid that was supposed to go in that I didn't put in. He was the he was going he was going bananas for his teammate, and I'm like, you know, when you watch it after you're like. No, that's that's what it's about. Even if we all lost the game, but they were all going nuts. Like that's what it's about, you know. When the kid makes a great play and his teammates value it, yeah. Um, I've gone above and beyond now to be more positive, in the sense where everything has to, there has to be an interaction. There's a, you know, like you do something wrong, I have to get mad or I have to tell you to shake it off. You do something well, I better tell you good job. I can't be silent. Because I can't expect you to respond to me telling you you stink and you didn't do a good job today without me saying, hey, man, that was awesome. High fives, you know. And, and, and you know, and I try to, like, and I observe coaches and, you know, not everyone's as animated as I am and I understand that. But I'm like, you, you, you have to, if you're a screamer, you better make sure that there's something positive coming out. That a kid does something, you better give a high five. You know, I played for a coach at some point in my life. I can tell you right now, I never see him give a high five to anybody. It's like, oh, you did what I said? Yeah, because you did because I took like, no, man, that, that's not like yeah. they're kids. We're teaching. And, and that's that's super important. Whereas if you can show value in the great moments, but you gotta kick him in the butt. You do. You have to hold everybody accountable. You know, like that's important. But you have to show value when when they do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And, and when they do they are successful and, and you praise that. There has to be a, a lot of praise, especially nowadays. You know, they talk about kids. You have to tell them positive things, not yeah. overly positive. Either. Like I'm not saying, you know, I'm not the everyone gets a trophy guy. That that's that's not happening. But how do you not tell a person you did a good job? You know, at work, I I teach. I do it. If my boss never says, "Hey, man, you did, that was pretty good today," I'm saying like, you know, you don't like me, like, like and I get that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not valued. So they're kids. Show them the value, value, and then make sure everyone on the team is valuing their teammates. Now yeah. they're kids. Are they all going to get along all the time? No, I don't expect them to. There's 15 personalities in there, and three coaches. You got 18 personalities, and then throw the managers in. We have great managers. I, 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 kids doing the book and the film, and you got 20 kids going to a game. You got 20 people, two different vans, all different walks of life. You know, we're we're a pretty diverse school. You know, we're a tuition-based school, but we're in the heart of Queens. Queens is arguably the most diverse place in the country. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And and you know, and you see how they value and love each other, and they pull for each other. Obviously, it's easier when things are going with. You go sixteen and eight, people are happy. You go eleven and fourteen, kids want to kill each other. And I get that. I understand that too. But you have to find those moments where they depend on you, and then they understand that you got their back no matter what. Yeah, you know? love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and just so much relationship building and so much understanding of everybody's coming from from a different situation. And if you, like like you said perfectly, if you're going to harp on kids and, and criticize and, 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 term, and sometimes be negative, at the same time, you also have to make sure you're giving it back on the positive end just as much so that you're reinforcing the things that you do like that you see. Because I think you might get in a situation where you're they're going to hear sometimes all the negative things and then they're not going to know what they're supposed to be doing because you're not 
overtly promoting it and telling them, I need you to keep doing that. So yeah, excellent. Uh, yeah. Excellent point. Um, so I always give, uh, I always give coaches, uh, what I call my, my 60 second soapbox to clarify, reiterate, uh, give a closing thought on something. You did a really, really nice job there, but I'm going to give you the floor anyway to, oh, okay. to do this. So, uh, go ahead, coach with your, with your 60 seconds, uh, soapbox, any closing thought or final thought or anything you want to, uh, just reiterate and reemphasize. Well, one thing that, that I think is, is very important. I was actually on a, a zoom call before this mm -hmm. and it was actually run by, and a big time AAU organization that's had professional players um, come through their program. And it was a call that was trying to unite the, we'll say, AAU grassroots travel basketball community and the high school community. And we say high school, which means also prep school. Sadly, in this, we'll say boys basketball in particular, there is a ton of money that is involved in it and it's you know that kid's not being held accountable he's not successful he's going to transfer and if you look at the transfer portal in colleges and the 700 division one basketball players transferring from their college it's only 300 something schools you got 700 so it's two kids per school transfer um and, and it's who's pushing these kids in the right directions or wrong directions and things like that um i think working on teaching the youth accountability and, and, and in the sense where that it's communal, the AAU, the grassroots, the high schools, we have to work together because at the end of the day, it's for the betterment of that child, that one child. He's not mine. He's not yours. He's a basketball player. And we have to do a better job incorporating parents into the mix. Par like society has changed in the sense where more and more people go to college. Right. It's kind of now it's a really a prerequisite for career placement as you know, when my parents and I am sure you'll like, if you went to college, it was great. But, you know, but now you can't get a job. this year. So we have, we'll say, better prepared and knowledgeable parents on top of at your fingertips is all this knowledge. You can Google about a school. You can put a coach's name and you put a player's name and everything pops up. There's 9000 articles on everything. And. We need to do a better job as coaches, AAU, high school, and parents in putting these kids in situations where they understand that all three of us are working together, as well as, hey, man, you got to stay accountable. You got to do your schoolwork. You can't just cut and run because the coach yelled at you. You know, the AAU coach can't just be a yes man. The high school coach can't just be a yes man. But you also can't be only negative. And then the kid runs and flees. Like, we have to put people in positions where after this basketball stuff, they have to get a job and they have to be able to walk into their place of business unless they're in the business and they have a boss. Everybody's got a boss and you have to be able to interact and learn that that person's in charge and I got to keep working hard. And, and, and I think that's an issue where, you know, on the higher levels of basketball, because that's what people will strive for. You know, you watch the video, uh, you know, watch all the highlight tapes and these guys doing crazy dribble drills and things like that. And you're like, yeah, but Steph Curry shoots 9 out of 10 from 35 feet out with no defense on him because he's taken that shot a million times. He doesn't, he didn't show up to the gym doing all that crazy stuff. So it's accountability. He worked at it and he listened, you know, and, and I think that's important that we all get figure out a way 
that we teach our kids what accountability is about, and then it'll be a better environment. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's just me. Like, I don't know, like maybe because I'm a, I'm a father, you know, yeah. maybe when I was you know, eight years ago, maybe I wouldn't say this. <laughs> I think it's about like teaching kids that there's limits, you know, you know, we can go over what's going on in society and things like that. You know, we will be here for three hours. I know I talk a lot, but at some point, everybody, there's a limit and there's a consequence or a benefit to whatever action you did. And I think it's important that, especially with youth sports, we teach kids accountability and it's only going to come from unity with the high school coach. And like I said, there's 9,000 travel teams uh, in every corner and the travel coach, these kids have too much social media, pulling them in different directions. We got to start insulating them a little bit, which is terrible to say, you know, you don't, we used to, you, when you, when I, when you and I, you, you made fun of the sheltered kid, right? Like, ah, you know, we need to shelter these kids more. Because there's way too much, at their fingertips, there's too much information. We need to get them focused on what they're allowed to do and hold them accountable for their actions. And parents, coaches need to work together. You know, and I mean, I know you'll probably have a podcast about coaches dealing with crazy parents. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that's not, that's probably, I got to go back and check the archive. You probably have a bunch of <laughs> stories about that too, because I got stories on that. Uh-huh. But like, it, it's got to be, if you're going to preach team, the team extends with the coaches to the parents to the AU guys and accountability for the kids. Yeah, great, great point, great thought that, that with all this information, with all of these ideas that players are exposed to, they, they're taking in all this information and then they're also hearing different interpretations about all that information from the parent, from the AAU coach, from the high school coach, and that if we all can kind of work together and understand that our priorities should be bettering these kids that we're serving, they're going to be so much better off, we're going to be so much better off, and, and like you said, there's just so much that these kids have access to that we never did and that it's it's overwhelming for them and and it's even more overwhelming when the voices that they're supposed to trust are all saying different things and are all mm-hmm. giving them different ideas so absolutely i i think that that that's a that's a great point um Coach, I want to I thank you for spending some time uh, not only just talking about implementing half-court defense, but things that go so far beyond basketball. Uh, I think it was really insightful, and I think it was great for uh, coaches just to learn, reflect, and just think about their own practices. So I want to thank you again, and uh, good luck going forward, and hopefully you got some games to coach uh, going yeah, forward, that's too. that's what we're looking for. Thank you for having me, and I am sorry. I didn't know it was gonna, if I talked too much. Oh, no, absolutely yeah. not. Trust <laughs> me, I, I know you're from, from the city, so I knew. <laughs> I, I know how that goes. It's all good. Uh, so so thanks coach much appreciated all right thank you very much all right this was another edition of the basketball teacher podcast thank you guys so much for listening we will see you next time thank you for listening to another edition of the basketball teacher podcast make sure to connect with us on youtube facebook and twitter or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com take care be safe and we'll see you next time